This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I would like to tell you a story. Knife Talk is sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturers of the finest knife treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com. Hey, welcome to Knife Talk. This is a podcast for knife enthusiasts, knife makers, you know, whatever you're doing. We're here for you, all right? My name is Jeff Fader from Fader Knives. We're here with Mareko Momasi of Momasi Fire Arts and the delightful Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. I hope you're having a good day. What's going on, gentlemen? All good. All good here. Wow, that's a lot of energy, guys. <laughs> hey, you guys come on, up. come on. I just woke up. <laughs> I have to do do yoga at 5.30 in the morning to get the blood flowing and wake my ass up. Maybe you do some, you know, maybe you do some jumping jacks or do some, you know, get some blood. I I don't think yoga makes the blood pump. (laughs) Relaxes and puts me to sleep, be honest with you. All right. right. Mareko, how's your week been going? Uh, This week's been interesting. So I... uh, I'm going to bust some balls because uh, I know they don't listen to the podcast. But uh, oh, when geez. I was in Connecticut at Dragon's Breath Forge, oh, no. uh, my press stopped working. And it, was, it, was, it wasn't one of the situations where I was using it and all of a sudden it took a shit and stopped working. It was one of those where it was working and then I left for the summer for, or for a couple weeks to come back to Washington to visit family. And then I came back and it wasn't working. Somebody and broke it. It was a it was a year that's that was a year ago. And at the time it was great because or it wasn't great, but it was fine. It wasn't a huge rush to get it fixed because you know they have tons of awesome equipment there. And uh I actually hadn't I, I'd been using it mostly for uh sizing down material. So I would do a lot of the forging on the hammer and then I would use uh my press with stop blocks to get the precise dimension of a block or of my bar that I would want. And um so I wasn't using it a ton, but it was a bummer, but we were going to get it fixed, blah, blah, blah. We get it, end up deciding to move, and uh, it still hasn't been fixed. And so I've been futzing with it now. I've been fortunate that uh, my shopmate, Louise, has been help, or allowed me to make use of his press, but I really had to just get this thing going and get that pr- my own press going. And, um, and so I've been poking around. I'm fortunate to have a friend here. His name's Kevin Cleary. He, or, or sorry, Curly, and he, he's a fucking wizard and just a like a a genius when it comes to electronics and and electric motors. And just watching him look at, he actually made a house call. His his electric shop is like an hour away from my shop and he came all the way to my shop to help me out and try to figure out what was going on found out it was just one little switch that i think only costs like maybe 20 bucks um that needs to be replaced but it was burned out because uh for anybody who might be running a press on a big motor like i am it's not a good idea to keep 
turning the press on and off and on and off and on and off. I used to turn my press on every heat um, because otherwise that high winding motor sound, uh, which can really get to you after a while, uh, was running the whole time, you know, whole two, three hours. Uh, But realistically, it's better to actually let it keep running because it does wear out the switch because the, the way the switch makes contact is it's it arcs every time and then it engages the switch and they come together and hold the circuit together and after too much of that basically over four years um it fried <laughs> and so really it probably was my fault that the press was all fucked up it and sounds died. like it sounds like 100 percent your fault you, <laughs> yeah, you wanted so, to blame you wanted to blame your guys well, and then all I, of a sudden it's just like <laughs> at the end it's well, your fault again, again it's one of those situations like oh it was working when i left but now it's yeah. not. What the fuck happened, guys? But, yeah. you know, it's like one of those things. If you let your car or you loan your car to a friend and then mm-hmm. the, whole, the, the one terrifying thing is like, oh, man, if they get in an accident, I'll be fucking pissed. But the reality is like if you got an accident in your own car, you know, you'd be annoyed, but you wouldn't be as annoyed as if somebody else was driving. Like you let your car and somebody else was driving it. But anyways. I think we got the press figured out. We did get it running last night for a couple seconds uh, by forcing the switch to engage, which was kind of sketchy. Uh, so Kev, Kev has a, a heart of gold, and he was he was holding on to the switch and forcing it to engage while I was turning on the power button with 240 <laughs> uh, volts running through the damn thing. And um, it works. The, the Everything works. It just needs a new switch. So mm-hmm. we got that. And uh, let's see. Oh, my, my knife, I got uh, this mosaic knife I'm just finishing up uh, that I was doing the handle sculpting for the combat uh, content, and uh, it looks really sweet. I'm uh, in the next couple of days, probably on Monday, I'm going to have some nice finished photos of that thing up. And then I think the last big thing I got going on is I got a knife that I'm putting up for auction. <clears throat> it's, a, uh, it's a knife I actually just posted on my stories a couple of days ago, um, the pattern. And it's just this crazy-ass pattern uh, blade that I actually forged. I started forging that steel about a year and a half ago. And it's been kind of a a long, slow work in progress. I got most of the work done uh, by by June because I wanted to have it at blade. But since that, I've made modifications. I've taken it on the road with me. I took it with me to L.A. uh, when I went to, you know, do Joe Rogan's podcast and uh you know and Adam Perry Lang was using it for uh uh to cut up a bunch of short rib that you know he'd smoked off at that nonprofit uh event and then and it was also the knife that I sent to Vogue magazine to uh kind of they were doing an article and they reached out to me and uh, and I sent it to them and they put it through the paces and ended up with like about a 5 word mentioned but hey it mentions a mention i'll take it but it's uh it's just been like a long work of progress trying to fine-tune and make adjustments and since i first did the finish grinding i've actually gone back and readjusted because i've kind of changed the way i do my finish grinding on my s grinds and uh and now i'm ready to let it go and so it's been on the road with me it's been a great knife and i'm ready to give it a good home and uh so this next week, I'm, I'm getting ready to put it up for auction. I think just a little bit later this week, and um, but I'm gonna I need to post some things up about it and just kind of re uh, 
reintroduce people, I guess, to the knife in a way and kind of talk about the stuff, the the stuff that I've been doing to make changes to it. And, oh, actually, the, the last big thing I got going on is I'm doing a Pattern Welded Wednesday. I haven't done a Pattern Welded Wednesday in, in quite a bit, actually. It's been been close to a year, so I what's, think. So what's a Pattern Welded Wednesday? So Pattern Welded Wednesday, for uh, folks who are not aware, I used to do a, uh, a walkthrough, basically, of various patterns, either that are uh, patterns that I designed and made myself or patterns that are well-known that are just um, just to help people better understand how the patterns are, are created. Um, because for a lot of folks, it is, it's very abstract and un- unfamiliar territory. <laughs> And so I just, I do a walkthrough to help people kind of better uh, wrap their head around how all these crazy Damascus patterns are being made. Um, And also the one reason that actually the bigger reason I I tried or I started doing Pattern Welded Wednesday is to kind of invite folks behind the scene uh, on this new, on this Damascus blame getting ready to auction off. It's a, it's a, a new approach to creating crazy kind of, twisted helix motion like a double helix like you know like dna so that that was the the basis of the theory around creating this pattern and since then i've done a lot of funky ass things with it but i've never really talked about it or shared how i do it so on this wednesday i'm going to be uh i'm I'm going to have a pattern model wednesday up that helps put people through the paces of how it works cool cool so is is this the knife featured in vogue did you say is there a yeah. picture of it in Vogue? There is not a picture of it in Vogue, oh. unfortunately. Well, you can't trust these motherfuckers. They, in the they said a very, business. they made a very nice mention, um, but it was they, they were more focused on what's the best deal that you can get instead of really like the mm. the artful craftsmanship that went into it. They also had they, you know, they had uh, Steve and Danny from Nora Knives. They had the boys from Bloodroot Blades featured in it too. Just a quick like two second mention as well. And, um, they were more about trying to get the best bang for your buck and, Mm -hmm. uh, not really too focused on kind of the art and crafts, artful and crafts, crafty skills Mm -hmm. that go into creating these things. There you go. So what about, what about, what about Mr. Craigie? Craig, what have you been up to my friend? It's been a good week. Good week. So getting knives out the door. So I finished quite a big order for a, a restaurant in Singapore. Wow. Um, they went, well, they're going out Monday morning. They're packaged up. They're ready to go out Monday morning. Um, also been working on um, templates for these chef knives that I'm doing. That'll be in three different sizes. So the idea is they're all going to have the same size blade, but the handle's going to be slightly different on each, just slightly different size. So I've been doing some experimenting with um, weight removal in the handles. Um, just because you know the, the bigger knife will have more weight weight re- reduction in it, the smaller knife will have less. Um, yeah, so that's been quite fun. Also committed quite quite big to the the recycled material that I talked about. Oh. Um, I've had an order for quite a few knives using this material, and you know it's it's a minimum amount you can buy, so it's quite a big commitment. So I've I've ordered sort of sheets and sheets of this stuff. Oh wow! Um, which I'm excited I'm excited to get because um, I'm going to. I'm going to be making a set for myself as well. I don't have any of my own knives, which is crazy. I've got the old bangers, you know, the ones that weren't correct, the ones that weren't perfect, the ones that I didn't want to ship. I've kept those. So I'm going to take some time and make some for myself, um, and that's going to be the recycled material too. So, yeah, it's been been busy. I was getting knives out the door, um, 
working on these on these on different size chef knives. It's it's been a fun week, really fun. Very good. And difficult in this heat. It's been crazy. It's been sort of one ten here. Um, I spoke to Jeff actually in the week, and I was on my way out at the time in the car to see if I can buy an AC unit for the house because it was just so so hot. And I drove for 150 miles, stopping at, it must have been a dozen, a dozen. 150 big, miles? Yeah, a dozen big stores looking Jesus. for an AC unit everywhere it would run out. And the funny thing is, each shop where they should have the AC units, that the shelves are empty. There was just people standing in the aisle just looking at the empty shelves. And I joined them for a good 30 seconds. It's like, what the hell? And drove and drove. And we, could, we couldn't even buy a fan everywhere it sold out. But uh, we had a big storm yesterday, thankfully, and it, it, it's cooled a bit now. So, yeah, we're a lot more comfortable, but it was, it was horrendous. How, I, miserable, I, how miserable were the French in that heat wave? Are they extra the, miserable? Th- to be honest, the French, they, they cope with it. <laughs> extra miserable. <laughs> they cope with it. Well, it's weird. The French here, you, you know the French houses around because all the shutters are closed up on their house. Um, it just it looks as if the house is derelict. It's it's in darkness. You just don't see them. They all just go into hiding when the sun comes yeah, out. Yeah, it's because they complain. The French yeah. love to complain. Oh, but you see, all, you see all the Brits out in France. As soon as the sun is out, they're out in their shorts and T-shirt getting burned and <laughs> sweating all over the place. It's crazy. It's French. All the French do, they complain a lot. <laughs> Does that mean you're French, Craig? Or Jeff? Uh, what was that? No. You've got so, some French traits. Mean you're French yeah, traits. No, it's, yeah, it that uh, didn't work. That one didn't work. How about you? <laughs> sometimes they work, sometimes they don't work. What can you do? So these these steak knives that I finished for this restaurant, they've got this, um, like a harpoon clip to them. Because basically the restaurant's in Singapore. I did a bit of research on the restaurant, and it, the area is very famous for spearfishing. They've got people, you know, from all over the world that go there. It's, it's meant to be great for spearfishing. Right. So I thought, well, let's let's make a knife similar. So the first load that I did, so this was for two dozen knives. So I thought, let's make 30, and I've got, you know, some to play with, you know, things go wrong, so on. So the first few that I did, I tried to put a swedge on that harpoon clip. And it looked okay, but whenever I was showing people or giving, giving people to, the knife to pick up, they were like, oh, this isn't sharp enough. This And I was like, well, it's not meant to be sharp. It's, you know, that, that top edge, you know? Those people are so stupid. Yeah. So I thought, well, if, if that's going to be happening, and it's probably going to be happening in the restaurant as well. So I, I, the next load, I, I didn't put the swedge on. And I think it worked out really well. So we've still got the harpoon clip, but without the swedge. And sure. I think it look, works really well for a table knife because it's, it's belly heavy. You know, you've got your belly down first. Um, and it's... Even though it's a steak knife, it's nice to sort of serve food up. But, you know, sometimes, you, you know, you, you slice your steak and you, you, you can pass it around if you've got a big share in steak. It works really well for that. You know, sometimes you get a big share in steak, you know, and, and you, you slice <laughs> it up and you pass it around. The old you, sharing steak. <laughs> I'll have the sharing steak, please. Go ahead. I feel as if every time I talk about food, you two are like, are you crazy? No, no, no. I was I mean, going just... to defend you. Have you not seen those gigantic steaks on Instagram, Jeff, where they're yeah, like, they, usually they cut take them it off you. the bone and they cut yeah, it all up in pieces? And they cut yeah. them for you. That's and then a you sharing steak. Oh, on, on, a wooden, on a wooden plate, yeah. Oh, on a wooden good. plate, yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah. It's good. That sounds great. So these knives are really good for sort of handing around the slices too. They work really well. So I'm, I'm really happy with them. Really happy. So I'll Sweet. put some pictures up on Instagram. 
this week. As soon as they as soon as they get delivered and they've got them, I'll then put them up on Instagram. Sounds good. What about Sounds you, Jeff? Good. What have yeah. you been doing? Yeah, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I, I had a meeting with uh, Bantam Tools came to the shop. They do uh, uh, tabletop CNC machines. We're going to do something down the line. I'm psyched about they have a shop uh, three miles from my shop. So we're going to do some sort of uh, collaboration. I'm kind of against collaborations in general, but this one sounds interesting. And then, uh, you know, I had a nice visit from Cliff Dufton yesterday, CJ Dufton on Instagram. He came by and we did a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And uh, we had a nice little day. And then uh, and then I got uh, irritated on Twitter. I don't know if you guys do go on social. I know you like social media, but I don't know if you guys do Twitter. I didn't I started know you did doing Twitter. Really. Yeah. I started doing Twitter. I heard about Twitter uh, actually specifically from when uh, Mumbai terrorist attacks. I don't know. Was it? 11 mm. years ago or something like that. And I realized that people were communicating through that. I was fascinated by it. And then I started to, uh, I signed up and I was fascinated by uh, the concept. And I, I actually, I don't know if any of you have read the comic book Watchmen, but there's a character called Ozymandias. And in one scene, he's looking at this giant wall of TV screens and each one's a different channel. And he's, they're wondering how he can get anything from it. And he says, it's just the, the pulse, all these different voices and different things it gives you the pulse of what's going on in the world and i thought all of a sudden i'm when i'm on twitter i started listening i follow this guy that guy this guy that guy and you mm. get that same concept of the pulse of what's going on so i've always been fascinated by the fact that you know you do get a lot of news and information faster than any any other way and i always you know i i don't really do a whole lot on it i started doing a little bit on it just because you know what the fuck and yeah. then, uh, but once in a while, somebody will say something, you know, most of the time people say stupid stuff on, on Twitter. It's pretty dumb. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. like, you know, it's, it's just like people are trying to be comedians or they're trying to be mean or they're trying to be this or trying to be that. Or everyone's trying to be a topper. Or they know better. Everybody knows better. But <laughs> this week I posted a couple knives just to put them up. And a guy keeps tagging OJ Simpson in my knives. <laughs> oh, what the and, and you know oj simpson's now on twitter and I, I i i followed him and then i saw you know what fuck this guy i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be that guy i'm not gonna follow oj simpson yeah. and um he's he's awful on twitter p.s he's awful he does these little video contents he, uh, hey, it's it's me oj i'm it's yours truly it's just awful it's he's man. not good he's not good he's not good but for some reason this asshole comes every time I post a knife, he po he tags OJ in it, and I'm always just like, wow, oh, should I say something? I'm like, yeah, if I say something, it's going to turn into something. You know, I don't want to go back and forth with these guys. It never works. Everyone's trying to uh, <laughs> one overdo the other next person. Mm. But it's like, what do you think? You think OJ's going to be like, oh, a knife? You know, either that's a good idea, or uh, yeah, that's right, I killed my wife and her friend. You get know. some white gloves like Jonathan Porter, and he's away. Yeah, it, it was just like it was just funny, but at the same time, just like, yeah, come on, man. This, yeah. this is so stupid. So that was that. And then, uh, and then, uh, hey, uh, do you remember, Mareko, when we were at the Blade Show? Uh, I don't know. I think Matt Lee. You remember Matt Lee? Matt Lee. I think Matt I'm Lee 67 is. His, me. All right. Well, did, no. did he give you, a, didn't he give you a piece of wood? Yeah. yeah. Oh, is that, okay. Big, big, big guy. Yeah. Big guy. Matt Lee. He gave that, you, what, okay. What, are, what I feel kind of like, wood okay. 
really quick, I feel like the biggest asshole because he gave me that and I was drunk in the middle of the night. And then the next day I'm like, this is a great block of wood. I cannot remember who the fuck gave it to me. All right. Well, I just reminded you. Matt Matt Lee, tip of the hat to you. Thank you so much for the beautiful... Tasmanian Blackwood block that All you right, gave me. That's what I was looking for. So it's Tasmanian I'm so, Blackwood. I'm so looking forward to my bit. I know Jeff's got listen, my bit for me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Just hold your hold your horses, Craig. <laughs> so he so Matt Matt gave you a piece of this Tasmanian Blackwood, and then he gave yeah. me two pieces. And he says, Do you think you're gonna see Craig? And I said, Well, actually, yeah, I am gonna see Craig. I'm gonna when I go, we're planning on when I when I fly to Barcelona, I'm planning on seeing Craig and I'll I'll give him the piece of wood. He's like, well, you know, give it to Craig or do whatever the hell you want. And it doesn't, he didn't say that. He was much nicer about it. But he was just like, yeah, you can keep it. You don't have to tell him. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll give it to him. He didn't see. I'm looking forward to it. He basically he's like, yeah, give it to him. But then there was a little bit of, hey, do whatever the hell you want. So I packed it up to Barcelona, got it to Barcelona. I'm ready to see Craig's going to stand, you know, come down and visit us when I was with Tomer at Florentine Knives. And then he bagged. So like I packed the wood back up and I brought it back to New York. And then yesterday... Uh, Cliff was up, and Cliff just forged uh, a really nice Damascus uh, chef's knife. Inter- integral, integral oh, chef's knife. I saw that on his Instagram. And uh, he's, he, he came up to, he, he had a, you know, he wanted to know how we do the, you know, he wanted to do, we do the bed of tang system, and he just kind of, he's just, he doesn't need my help. He's one of the smartest guys I ever met. And, but, um, you know, he th- I said, well, come up, we'll have some fun. And I was working on some railings, uh, some brackets and stuff, and and then he's like, I said, I said, he said, do you have any wood? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, help yourself. Oh, whatever whoa, wood you whoa, want. Whoa, I, I don't like where this is going. <laughs> just, just let me tell this. Let me finish the story, Craig. Let me finish. Hold what you got, man. Hold, just hold what you got. So he's looking through the wood and he sees this piece of wood and he says, that's nice. Got good. And he, we taught him about the name Chatoyance and he was like, oh, that's shimmery. I'm like, yeah, it's real shimmery. And he said, what's that? I said, I forgot the name of the wood. Now, thank you, Mareko, for reminding me that it's Tasmanian Blackwood. And I said, that one's for Craig. That's uh, that was given to us by Matt Lee. That one's for Craig, and then I was just like, "It's yours now. You keep it." Ah, ah. So we drill the hole. We do the bed of tang. He says, "You sure it's not a problem?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's not a problem at all. You can use it in good health. You 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 deserve it. You deserve this piece of wood." He said, "I could do whatever I want with it, and I do whatever I want." So Cliff, Cliff, you mother. No, it's not. I mean, Cliff had no idea. Cliff had no idea. I said, I said it. He didn't know. He didn't know about anything about it. I said, Matt gave this to me to give to Craig. I tried to give it to Craig. This piece of wood came from wherever, and then to Atlanta and to New York, and then Barcelona back to New York. And you, 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 you lost your, you lost your, the shots. You had your chance, and you blew it. So that's, instead that's of sending enough. it, instead enough. of sending it in the mail, I, I thought, hey, look. Craig, don't, he don't do any hidden tang knives anyway. Let's give it to let's give it to, let's give it to Cliff. So I give it to Cliff. Oh, well, it's nice to know I've got a hidden tang knife on its way now with my yeah. with my wood on yeah, it. That's nice. Yeah, to know. yeah, it's just, yeah whatever. <laughs> however you want to think about it, it's not going to happen either. It's not going to happen either. So that's it. So yeah. So I was very happy that you know the wood went into the right hand. So thank you, yeah. Matt. Cliff, thanks you. Mareko, thanks you. I thank you. And Craig thank doesn't you for thank the thought, you. Thank you so much. Craig, thank you Craig doesn't thought. thank you because Craig didn't get it. You know why? Because I didn't give it to him. <laughs> you had your so chance, tell, you blew it. tell us about the scrolls that you've been doing this week what's all that been about uh i um i have a uh i have my uh my landlord is a very very close friend and he uh he had a project and he needed it and he asked me if i'd make a uh some brackets 
for this uh, this house. And I, he's just been so helpful to me and very supportive of everything I do. And I was just like, I love it. What do you want to look like? And he goes, whatever you want. So I started to, I was like, all right, great. I'll do some traditional scrolls and splices and I'll do some collars. And so I started uh, this week, every night, I started uh, tapering some half inch round and then rolling up some snubs. And then uh, my, uh, my old lead man, uh, John Ledford, who showed me how to make scrolls and, you know, blacksmithing. And when we were at the center for metal arts, he was the lead man. He really kind of showed me how to do traditional, traditional, but like, you know, modern ornamental ironwork. So I decided to do some scrolls and I kind of, I cut everything up while Craig was, uh, I mean, while uh, Cliff was uh, finishing that knife up (laughs) and then, uh, and then I was trying to put these brackets together, make some, uh, make some brackets for this house. There you nice. are. They look cool. They look good. Yeah, man. I, I look, I you know, blacksmithing isn't just about you know hitting shit. It's it's sometimes it's about uh you know making nice little swirls and scrolls and stuff like that. So art, Fun. art, certainly not art. Certainly not art. Yeah, <laughs> but I will say when I when I saw them, I was the scrolls were nice. But my first thought was, ooh, those are some nice tapers. I so. fucking know how to taper a bar. I guess. Were you using I, your I, hammer? Or did you do those by hand? I'm a. I mean, I'm a modern, <laughs> I'm joking, I'm a I'm modern man. Of course, I use a forging. <laughs> of course, I use a. You don't get a. You know. Yeah, I use my power hammer. I use my uh, my tire hammer to Smart. make those tapers. Yeah, you got You can't do scrolls without tapers. So you do a nice long taper, and then you finish the end on it with the hammer, and then you you got to roll up the first part, and then you keep it cool, and then you uh, you know make it happen. So that's yeah. what I do. It was, came, it was like riding a bicycle, honestly. Great. A lot of fun. KTP News. Um, this is the bit where we talk about news within the community. What's been going on this week? What's happening next week? That kind of thing. So first off, I want to say a big congratulations to Alex Steele. He got engaged this week. I think surprised everybody. Come out of the blue. He did this amazing video where he actually made the engagement ring with gold and this, this huge diamond. Incredible video. So go and have a look at Alex. I'm sure you will follow Alex anyway. Go and have a look at that video. It's a beautiful video. Excuse me. Um, Excuse yes. me. I think yes. I know what this is all about. It all just hit me like a like a lightning bolt. This is a green card thing, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I got possibly. you, man. Good Quite job. Possibly. <laughs> Good job, Alec. Good job. <laughs> the, old Ru- the old Rudy Tootie. So when he, goes to the, when, he goes to the, when he goes to the immigration board, he just, yeah, watch my video. Look, I'm getting married to you. Nice job. Congratulations. <laughs> Shh. Your secret Four safe. Four million people agree with me. Yeah. Your secret yeah. safe. Shh. Nice. Good, good man. In other news, we mentioned in the past about the community charity knife. So members of the Knife Talk Forum, they were making a knife uh, between them. And I know that uh, it was Bob Rankin made the Damascus. I know Sandy Young did some file work. Um, it then went to Jake, who was going to be doing some grinding. But Jake got in a bit of an accident playing cricket, of all things. So um, he's not up for doing. He's not up for doing the grinding. He hasn't been able to do any work for some time. So... We're looking for somebody to take on that role. So the next part of the build is the the main bevel grind. If anybody wants to do that, let us know on Instagram, and I'll make sure Jake gets your details. Wait a second. Wait a second. What kind of accident do you have in cricket? I don't know. I've, I've never played cricket in my life. Don't have know, you watched it's, it? It's, it's got to be a ball injury of some sort, hasn't a it? A ball injury? Did you say a ball injury? 
You got it. Look, as in, you... as in the ball hit it. I, I, it's his thumb. I think it's his thumb. He's hurt. Oh, you said a ball. Yeah. It has to be a ball injury. I'm like, oh, you get it right in the nuts, huh? That's what they go for. <laughs> Holy shit. Sorry, Jake, about your ball injury. Hope feel better, baby. <laughs> feel better about that ball injury. Oh my god. I didn't even, it wasn't even me who did that. You crazy people. <laughs> Well, I got a little bit of news. Uh, this I'm looking at my calendar. This weekend, uh, the first weekend in August, uh, 2019, just to be clear, uh, there's there are a few shows. Uh, the first one starts on Friday the second, goes through Sunday, and it is the Knife Makers Guild of South Africa, which is happening down in Fairland, South Africa. Uh, the next one is starting Saturday the 3rd and goes to Sunday the 4th. Uh, it's the Sydney Knife Show in Rose Hill, North Southwest Australia. And then the last one is, I'm probably going to butcher this. Craig, you can let me know. It's Fete du Couteau. North, that's, in Norton, that's France. close. That's about 30 miles from me in Nontron. It's a really good show. So Nontron? Where's Nontron? Nontron in France. In France. Is it really it's, called Nontron? Nontron, and it's it's a big sort of knife making village. It's a bit like Tier, but not quite as big. Hmm. Um, and they do a really good show. So I've been the last two years. So it's 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 as as Morocco said, it's next Saturday and next Sunday. Yeah. Um, free entry and yeah, lots of great exhibitors. It's all outdoors as well, so it's always a good day. Lots of good food. It's always good. Nice, nice. nice. Very interesting. Other news: Daisy has cut her first tooth. Oh boy. What oh yes, does so we had a mean? week of it. What does that mean? Her t- a tough. What's a tough? That's <laughs> baby tough. talk for tooth. Tooth. Oh, tooth. tooth. She's oh, so she's teething. She yeah. Her first. When you tooth said has Daisy appeared. has cut her first tooth. I'm like, what? <laughs> what is that? Her hair sprouting out? I don't know. Tough. I don't know what that means. What's a tough? Tough. Tough. No, that's not a no, 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 no. That didn't make any sense at all. Daisy cut her first tough. So Americans telling me how to speak English, well, I just, it just, it just makes me laugh. Didn't make, make, didn't make a whole lot of sense. Jeff, have you ever right seen? There. Have you ever seen Snatch? It's, it's like uh, Brad Pitt's. Yes, like yeah, character. Well, yeah. You know, you like Diggs. Daisy for Tiff. That's still didn't. All right, well, there we go. We, you know, some of the people here need to be, you know, explained. <laughs> so Daisy has cut her first tooth. So that's hey, been hey. that's been oh, big, new, big news in the Lockwood household. Yes, yeah. yeah. That sounds We're just waiting better. on the other. Did, what on other the other news t- we got on, on the other tooth. <laughs> the other baby. <laughs> the other right. baby. I know. Fine. <laughs> so actually, this is something that I'm not 100 percent sure if this is a thing or not. But apparently, I've been getting messages, and especially the knife talk that. Um, that Instagram is doing something where they're kind of, I guess they're, if you, certain hashtags, I don't know if they're removing content or they're kind of, it's kind of uh, cutting away uh, the content. Um, some people are, 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 are telling me that certain hashtags are being either banned or censored. I'm not 100% sure the extent of it, but I know that uh, a couple guys mentioned it to me about uh, they tried to hashtag knife community or... There was something else. I'm not 100% sure, but they were, it was just about like, they were like, hey, you know, this is kind of, I'm a small guy and, and uh, I kind of rely on, you know, these hashtags to, Hmm. um, for people to discover who, what I'm doing and who I am. And this is limiting what I'm doing and, and why are you doing this on Instagram? I'm not 100% sure exactly. I was trying to find the email the guy sent me, but uh, 
guess what? I didn't li- didn't follow find it. So hmm. what do you guys think about the idea that Instagram might be kind of trimming down and trying to stop certain hashtags from being used and yeah, I, th- I think it's all due to um, certain big cities that are having you know a lot of knife crime, that kind of thing, and people don't know how really how to deal with that yet. And I think particularly with social media, it's such a new thing. Uh, maybe maybe they're just, you know there's a risk there, and they just oh, we don't really know how to deal with this. The easiest thing for us to do is just to ban it and stop it happening. Yeah. But it's, it's been slowly happening. So, you know, Instagram is owned by Facebook and Facebook itself will sometimes take down pictures of knives that, you know, that I'll post and say it's inappropriate content. Um, and I think it's just filtered through to all the different areas. And, um, yeah, it's, it's sad to see, but it's what can you do? I mean, what <clears> happened? <throat> well, what what happened in Morocco? What happened to uh, our friend Andre, Andre Ascalani? I don't know if you said that name right. I think that something happened Andreas to him Kalani. too. Where Andres Kalani. I, something happened with him and he had some problems where his something was being some parts of what he was doing was being banned as well. You know about that at all? I, I don't know about that, but I, I do know that. Um, yeah. Like you guys mentioned, Facebook is or Instagram is owned by Facebook. And I know that our buddy Josh Weston, uh, he's had, you know, he's he's trying to promote. You, you know, they often, when your post is doing well, they're like, oh, promote your post. And he's like, all right, that would be great because I would love for it to reach more people so I can make these sales. And they will not let him <laughs> promote oh, um, and boost so those kind of posts on- and stuff like that. But because mm. they're based in, in general, unless you're, I, I've never experienced it with chef's knives. Um, but I'm always, you know, my knives are chef's knives. And I'm so I for whatever reason even though they are knives that are probably used in a large number of domestic violence disputes uh around the world um they are not seen on the same level as a hunting knife or as uh EDC or you know any any other kind of knife and so when something's perceived as a weapon i mean it's the same kind of deal when shipping internationally you can't ship weapons mm-hmm. internationally but you can ship kitchen tools or, you know, uh, kitchen utensils, no problem. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to it. Maybe it's not a person that's doing the banning. And they're using it sort of machine learning. And they're seeing a big hunk yeah. of steel shaped like a knife. And then and automatically it's just like, nope, this is inappropriate. Well, do you think that it has to do with, um, it has to do with being promoted versus, you know, if you're spending money on promoting stuff versus not promoting stuff, is that you think maybe it has something to do with that? That makes I mean, I honestly, I didn't really look into it except for people are like, this is censorship and blah, 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 blah. I mean, when I first heard about it, at first I thought, well, now look, you know, you know, this is the internet's still kind of the wild west and they're trying to like, Mm -hmm. you know, make sure that the genie doesn't completely go out of the bottle. And and at the same time, like the way I use hashtags are strictly for like, you know, having new people. Like I don't use knife community or I have, or maybe I don't, or, and I thought, ah, well, maybe they should. And then I started to think about it. I thought, ah, it doesn't really affect me. And then I started to realize, well, that's a pretty dumb way to think about it because what happens is, is when you start to this concept of censorship, you're, what you're, what you're talking about is they're taking this now. What are they going to take later? So you get to the point where it's like, well, is it affecting me now? No. Is it going to affect me later? Yeah. I actually was talking to uh, Jonathan Porter and he was saying that when you use hashtag knives or knife, it, it like, it like, it takes you out of certain algorithms. I don't know enough about it, but I do know that, you know, there's clearly, there's something, you know, there's probably pressure on these companies to stop 
uh, certain elements of, you know, negative elements from coming up. But at the same time, it's like, well, what do you do? What do you do as if somebody's de- depending on, you know, hashtag knife community, and then all of a sudden yeah. you're just like, we're fucking taking it away. What do you do? Well, and it sounds I think, to, but- oh, I was just going to say, it sounds to me like it's a, a bunch or a bit of, you know, cover your ass on mm. Instagram and Facebook's part, because they've actually been under the gun quite a bit right. for some stuff that has happened in the last few years. No, of course. And so, yeah, they're just trying to cover their ass. But also when it comes to censor- censorship, it, it realistically, like, I mean, I don't, I, I would hate for it to keep going this way, but realistically, this is Instagram's house. They can make the fucking call. Right. They, yeah, you know, it's like going yeah, into course. your house and telling you you can't say the F word. And it's like, fuck you, this is my house. Get the fuck out of here. So, Wait, so when it comes you, to you censorship... You fuck you I, in my house. You just said fuck you in my house. <laughs> You said coming into my house and saying "fuck you." Yeah, that's fine. Keep going. Keep going. Anyways, keep going. Um, but I think it, it, it is concerning, and I, I don't, I don't think it's they're going to dial it down, or or if they're going to, if they're going to refine things and be more uh, discriminant, then it it's probably going to be, or I don't think discriminant's the right word, but anyways, uh, more detailed about it. it it's going to be much farther down the road once they're, they've covered they're, their ass. They're going to start I, taking material out. They're going to, they're going, it's not like we're just, they're not focusing on these bullshit little things like knife community. Yeah. They're going to, it's going to, they're going to create a, you know, they're saying that people are complaining and there's, they're, 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 you know, they're under the auspices of yeah. people are reporting uh, 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 words and things that are against the community standards of Instagram. And it's going to, they're going to be able to, the more they take now, the, the, the more the people are like, ah, I don't care about that. The yeah. more they're going to take later. Hmm. But well, it's think, damaging because you think yeah. when you sign up to, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, wherever it be, you, you'll sign, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll tech, you'll agree to a user agreement. Right. And, yeah. and I think the moment and it started with YouTube, they started doing a few years back, they started sort of censoring what was allowed on there and taking it down. But that's a matter of, a matter of taste, a lot of that, and I think yeah. the moment you start doing that, it's 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 a slippery slope because where sure. where does that stop? If you just leave it all up to the user, and if the user does something illegal, then ban the user, and that's that's perfectly fine. They've broken yeah. the user agreement, but you know these people who just you know hashtag is knife making knives all the rest of it, they're not doing anything illegal. This is a case of either Facebook or Instagram saying it, it's it's a. It's a taste thing for them. Right. And that, mm. that's just really dangerous, I think, because if, if Google were to do that, I think we'd all be in a lot of trouble because if sure. we're not coming up, you know, on searches, let's face it, everybody uses Google. There's, there's other search engines, but, you know, I use Ask, Ask Jeeves, Jeeves, maybe. Yeah, I, I thought Ask you would. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, if, I mean, if this spread to Google as well and, you know, for SEO purposes, we may, you know, use uh, meta tags, you know, knives, knife making and all that kind of stuff. If, if those started getting sort of um, penalized, We'd all be in a lot of trouble. So, so it it is it is worrying. Really, is worrying. Well, it's funny because if you talk to YouTubers, um, I don't generally like to talk to YouTubers. FYI, just kidding. <laughs> yes, kidding. Relax, YouTubers. Just relax. They they're very like you know they talk about how if you talk do certain content they demonetize things. Yeah. So so like you oh, know wow. these guys who are doing YouTube videos. If you get a viral video, if you get a viral video. Um, YouTube sends you money or you get, you get certain, you know, it's like a bounty almost for content. 
But if you hit, you know, and then all of a sudden these guys are like, hey, I, you know, Chris Cash, our buddy, Malphilos Metalworks, did his uh, Dragon's Tail bottle openers and he went viral and they sent him some dough. And all of a sudden you're just like, hey, you know what? Maybe this content thing is okay. And then all of a sudden you got like a gun in the background. They'll demonetize you. And at first you're just like, yeah, there's censorship. But all of a sudden you're just like, yeah, it's censorship, but I want that money. So maybe I'm not going to, you know, they just like, mm. they pull the money, they pull the money from you. So there's like the incentive to not. You know, they're not to to stand by yeah. the you know the when the money talks with a lot of these guys. Like I know Alec, Al, sometimes Alec's got to be careful too because he's afraid that uh, you know they're going to demonetize his uh, videos. Sure. Well, I think. But what can you do? You any, can't take any, to the streets. There's nothing you can do. Yeah, I mean, I think any platform is is worried about being seen as promoting violence in any way, and I think hmm. what's happening is. Like you were saying, Jeff, it probably is robots, which is kind of a lazy approach. Instead of going in case by case and being like, okay, these guys aren't doing anything actually violent. They're not promoting violence. They are craftsmen creating something. But they're they're not going to do that. They're going to, like you said, they're going to take a a big wide swath of people or just general search terms and be like, done, can't use that anymore. You can't can't have like a task force to go through Instagram and then look at the millions and millions of pieces of content and then make a decision. They need some sort of, they need some sort of algorithm that nets certain words or certain content, then just make that decision and you can appeal it, but it's not, listen, the other thing is this is not a first amendment issue. I think that that's what, you know, I got a lot of messages. Oh, they're, 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 they're uh, affecting my freedom of speech. This isn't nothing to do with freedom of speech. This is a private company that has to, yeah, you know, make, to some, yeah. make decisions. And you, basically, really what you need to do is you need to kind of figure out ways in which to, what everybody does is work around. Or you have to like yeah. kind of, no, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. You know, well, you got to figure out. Yeah. I was just going to say that that makes an argument for places like the Shokinen Collaborative. Where it's a it's a marketplace designated for knife makers. We're we're there to promote knife making as well as other crafts eventually. But you know, well, and, and until, it's a place for people, you know, customers to go that feel confident and and can trust that what they're getting is isn't some bullshit. But also, wow, well, um, until until yeah. Instagram decides that that's like you know they don't want that either. You know, there's the very good chance that. All this shit could shit the bed. You know, it's, it, yeah. it's, 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 you know, it, the, to me at first, I was like, ah, I don't care about that. I don't do EDC and I don't do that stuff. But then I'm just like, yeah, you know what? They're going to come after you next. You know, all the people yeah. who say that this, this isn't. And, and so, so how do you deal with it? We're not going to do a petition. That's, they don't care. You think, you mm-hmm. think they care about like, you know, we're not going to go to Congress. We're not going to go to like, you know, the Hague and, you know, figure something out. We have to like, you know, figure out a way, a, you know, way to work within the confines of this private company and it sucks. And, you know, they're not going to really, they don't care. You know, they don't, that's but the it, funny thing is they don't care. There's battles to fight. So last week we talked about, um, an Instagram account called was it Unique Damascus Knives? Was it Holy called? Yeah. shit! <laughs> so, <laughs> what they were doing? They were putting up pictures of other people's work, and they did Morocco's work, and a bunch of other people, and they were saying they were selling these knives, and it was all fake. They obviously weren't. Um, so we mentioned it in last week's show, and we had a bunch of people then DMing them asking them if they could have a discount if they're using Knife Talk yeah, Ten. They got blitz. <laughs> they they we yeah we said we said we said yeah tell them you want the ten percent discount and screenshot the whole conversation and it was hilarious. So people yeah. were like, oh, interested? What do you do? Can I get the ten percent off from Knife Talk Ten? They're like, no, we don't do that. <laughs> it, it was it was actually really funny, but they either they either switched their accounts or they. 
they got too annoyed by our listeners. Our listeners annoyed the shit out of them. But then they yeah. banned us, and they banned me, and they banned. I didn't do anything. I, they they just must have like, <laughs> you know, somebody must have tipped them off that the, our podcast is, you know. So they banned us, or they left. But it was a funny way to, you know, they we blitzed hmm. them. That was pretty good. Nice work, there everybody. Yeah, there you go. You know, it's Mareko, you have all this power now. You can, you, you know, we can just, we can, uh, we can be very inappropriate and we can also be very, uh, you know, un, unreasonable to people that we don't like. It's congratulations. We make your ass and we break your ass. That's what's up. That's it. I, I wanna, it's, it's, it's breaking asses is not really my, you know, what I wanted to do, but it's fine. Didn't expect well, it. When when it comes to talking about being abrasive, we I want to talk about combat. <laughs> That's abrasives. a fucking good one, dude. That's a fucking good one. Go ahead. Holy combat shit. abrasives has been an awesome sponsor for us. They've been really great supporter of the show, as well as you guys getting really great uh, equipment or I guess abrasives to you to get your work done. If you go to combatabrasives.com, type in knife talk ten, that you will save ten percent on anything you buy from them. Not just belts, but their epoxies or handle materials or whatever, anything else they offer on their uh, <clears throat> excuse me on their uh, on their website. Uh, and also get a hold of them if you if you don't see what you're looking for. If you have a specialty size belt that you need, they can work with you and custom size belts and cut things down or lengthen them or whatever. Um, so get a hold of them. And also don't forget to tag them, tag us, um, and make sure that uh, they know that you're using their stuff because they'll share it out. We'll share it out. We love the support and uh, Combat Abrasives. We really appreciate everything you're doing for us all. Thank you. And remember the, the promo code, Knife Talk 10 to get 10% yeah. off anything that you order from Combat Abrasives. Perfect. That was the segue of segues right there. That's a good one. <laughs> hey, man, can I ask you a question? <laughs> All right, this is the part of the show where you get to drive the conversation. This is our kind of Q&A section where if you got any questions, you, you don't know what's going on, you need some relationship advice, uh, you don't know what you're doing with your knife making. Anyways, get... Uh, or we, I guess, Jeff actually very uh, graciously does all the qu- uh, the questions. But uh, you know, if you got any questions, send them to us. DM. We'll get them on the show, and uh, and we'll get them answered as best as we can. I'm gonna kick PS, it off with. P.S. Yep. Keep them short and Keep don't short, be cute. Yeah. And don't be cute. You don't. We don't need to know. We don't need to know your your life story. <laughs> if you want to get them on. Edit yourself. Edit yourself and come up with a good. I mean, sometimes you guys are like, I mean, it's like you want to tell me your, you talk about, you know, you want to talk about your whole story. Keep them short, sweet, and let's make make them happen. Sorry. All right, I'm gonna kick it off with this first one. Is Trinity Knifeworks? He says, "Dear Diary, <laughs> Dear Diary." <laughs> by the way, was from a couple uh, ep- or a few episodes back where Neil Kamimura was busting my ass about using a journal to keep track of all my different notes and. Knife or the mask. Hello Kitty diary. I heard. Was that? It's a Hello Kitty diary. Yeah, it it? is a Hello Kitty. (laughs) (laughs) It says, "Dear diary, what is the strangest or most bizarre thing you have used a knife for? For example, I once used a knife to replace a lost tent stake at a campout. That's actually sounds like a great use for a knife, except for as long as you don't cut the line." Yeah. Yeah. Um. No, I I haven't used the knife for anything out of the ordinary, I don't think. Um, I've used, you know, as a screwdriver and broken a few tips when I was younger, I suppose. But uh, no, I, I, I generally have the right tool for the right job. 
when you're laying out a railing, sometimes you need spacers. Like when you you have your top rail might be a certain thickness, and then your you know whatever you're laying out. I actually you know I have usually when I'm laying out railings, I have different size spacers, eighth inch, sixteenth inch, whatever, so I can kind of raise up whatever I'm welding together. And I use the knife to as a spacer because actually because the way it was, it was like <clears throat> when you put a knife on a table, it's flat. But when you put some weight on the blade, all of a sudden it's like a uh, like a wedge. So I was right. actually using it to shim up uh, a railing back in the day. So I used uh, my knife. That wasn't I mean, it was a nonsense knife, but it, that's the strangest thing I ever used it for is a wedge for welding. Boom. Boom. Hmm. Uh, I can't think of anything too crazy that I've used my knives for. Uh, I, I carry uh, kind of a crappy, cheap little folder on me that I... I never have an edge on because I'm always using it to scrape metal. Uh, I, I think I, I'm maybe open boxes with it, but often I also use it as a scribing point too. When I'm uh, scribing lines, I'll just open it up. And as long as I still got a good tip on it, I'll or a decent tip. At least I, I'll use it to scribe lines, but nothing, nothing too crazy. Fair enough. Fair enough. There you go. Next, next one is from flyover state forge. Hey, Cutie, can I ask you a question? Do any of you make mild steel templates for knives that you make duplicates of? I actually, I have a funny, a funny thing is I used to use uh, aluminum. I used to get two inch uh, by eighth aluminum. And I would make the templates out of that because it's easy to cut, easy to sand down. And then I'd have all my templates. And then I started to realize that if I buy uh, yardsticks, <laughs> you can get yardsticks in stores. They're actually cheaper to buy yardsticks, uh, aluminum yardsticks, than it is to oh, buy the, the straight aluminum, you know, lengths. So I was, I was like, all of a sudden I was just like, why am I paying more for, you know, the raw aluminum than I, if I just buy some yardsticks? So I started buying all these yardsticks, and I was using the aluminum yardsticks as my templates. Nice. Easy to cut. Easy to use. Boom. Mm. I have, uh, when I was working for Bob, um, we would use templates and we would use at least quarter inch mild. Um, sometimes we would use like that masonite, um, for templates, but we started using metal just because when you're tracing out and scribing, uh, or drilling hole, using it also for lining up and drilling holes, it doesn't kind of, it doesn't wear away or get, create some weird, uh, weird oversized hole in the, in the, uh, template if it's thicker and, and, uh, thicker mild we found. And so, yeah. So yeah, I have used mild in the past. Yeah, I, I mean, I've got some, and I've got some that are just card. I've got some that are perspex, mm. um, but I've got this like little CNC cutter thing. So generally, I'll cut a fresh one each time anyway, and just use then the card as the you know as the template. Um, but yeah, it would make sense for me to just just make steel ones and just keep using the same one. But it's yeah, I just need to get my shit together, I suppose. All right, get your shit together. Hey, oh, damn it, yes. the next one comes from paulm.fr. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? Do you have any recommendations on how to force a patina? Hmm. Forcing patinas. Vinegar, mustard. Yeah. Um, there's, there's plenty of stuff. So um, we talk about Toma in every episode, but he's got this, <laughs> these great sort of patterns that he does. So he'll just use, uh, I think he uses hot vinegar, or he certainly used to. I don't know if he still does. No, or he maybe doesn't. a ferric, ferric chloride, um, just to get a, you know, a, a flat patina, so everything is all even. Um, but then, like, like a mustard, he does this leopard pattern, which is really, really nice. 
Um, I saw yeah, it. And, I know, saw it. I saw it. Yeah. I saw it. Is, doesn't your one have a, a leopard patina on it? I the one that a, you've got. I put a leopard patina on it. Thank you very much. You're the man to answer the question. Well, you know, look, there's a, there's a lot of, I know that I have a, my buddy, uh, my buddy, Jonathan Porter doesn't like mustard on knives because he thinks it's just for hot dogs. But, you know, sometimes it's nice to, I, I never really did. I talked to a few guys and I did a mustard patina once. And at first I was just like, eh. And then I, when I was with, with uh, Tomer, he, when he was doing it, it, what it does is it really does give you like a scaffolding for the, the, the knife to patina. It is a really nice finish. Um, I think one of the, so, so what do you do is you get some mustard and you put it on whatever your, you know, whatever is a sponge or a piece of rag or you want to have, um, very, you know, you're trying to make an even pattern. And then what happens is, is when you kind of dab the knife with whatever you're doing, wherever there's no mustard is kind of you, you're creating like these little peaks and valleys. And then that's how you get the texture. And then after five minutes or so, um, you wash it off and then wherever the vinegar from the mustard was is it makes this kind of nice pattern and it looks it looks really nice and i, I at first i thought eh, but then i started to do it i was just like you know what this is kind of a nice way to kind of give someone something that you don't you know you know when you're just using a carbon steel knife and you just make the you know the patina happens based on you know whatever you're doing it is a little bit you know it can be a little blotchy and if you do uh, that patina you are starting with a scaffolding of you know it looks good i love forced patinas i think it's great I, and i think that there's this uh co- there's this concept that people think that what you're trying to do is you're trying to fool people into thinking you're making damascus or it's just thinking that no that's right no a lot of people a lot of people think that oh you're just you're just making like the poor man's damascus and i don't think that's the case right. especially Sorry, when if I... you're being yeah, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say sorry when I was uh, when I was saying I was just thinking that I've I've had a few friends say, you know what I hate is those forced patinas. They're just trying to look like Damascus, and I was like, yeah, what? No, <laughs> they they're just trying to kind of help give you a foundation, like you're talking about the scaffolding mm-hmm. a foundation for developing a patina that already by starting out already looking aesthetically pleasing. You're not. Like you were saying, getting all this blotchy kind of weird irregular shit across the yeah, way. And I, I have to admit, one of my very first knives, sort of four or five years ago, um, I used mustard to create like a fake hamone on that. Um, and it looked as if it was quite real, but then you just thought, what, what a shithead, what am I doing? So I didn't <laughs> do that again. But um, I have seen a lot of people do that, do sort of fake hamones with, with, with mustard or whatever they're using for their patinas. Well, I mean, as long as you're being honest and you're being, yeah, yeah. you know, being sincere, I think that, you know, it is a nice, it is a nice, uh, uh, solution and transition that you, you know, it's a, I, I, I don't know, I like it. I, I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going to do it very often, but you know, we'll see. Maybe I will. Yeah. Oh, papa. All right. This next one is from the best dressed man in knife making, Mr. Pellegrino Cutlery. Um, he says, Hey man, can I ask you a question? How do you guys deal with solitary shop life? Sometimes podcasts just aren't enough. No offense, I'm a loyal listener. How do you guys and 
Congratulations to Steve. Just got into the best of Philly. He got in a magazine, Ooh. the best of Philly. He got a nice, a nice little write up about him. So congratulations, Steve, on yeah, your victory. Buddy. Best of Philly. Uh, nice job. And I think he's just about to launch it. it Maybe this week. Um, his sort of budget range of knives as well, right. which I know he's been, he's been sort of promoting. Give so I hell. think that's this week. So go and have a look. Uh, Pellegrino Cutlery on right. Instagram. I love. Anyway, back to the question. <laughs> I love solitary shop life. I've I've had a when I had a, my first studio was in 1996 and I wouldn't see anybody and I loved it and I had to figure out ways in which to keep myself motivated and you know I saw, and it made me start to see being in the shop as a as a job and I had to be uh, organized and motivated and know that I'm not this isn't just like a playground and you know there were days where you know it got grim uh, I listened to a pile of talk radio and that I I, I think that that's was a huge thing for me, but I come into the shop with a very, very specific game plan and it helps me to stay motivated with goals and stuff. So I love it. I, I, I actually, when I have people in the shop, I'm less productive. Mm. I, I used to really hate it. I, I like people being around that kind of thing. Um, but <laughs> since having kids, I quite enjoy the sort of solitude of <laughs> and, the, and the silence of a, uh, of, a of the shop. Um, so it's a bit of a retreat for me at the moment as well, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I, I see what you mean. I, I certainly used to feel that, that, you know, it'd be long day, particularly in the winter. It's a long day. You're there on your own. And sometimes the only people you speak to are, you know, here at the radio or podcast and so on. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm quite fortunate because my, my shop is is part of my house. So I'm only a few steps away from, you know, my wife and all the rest of it. So I'm quite fortunate, but I can imagine for some, it would get very, very lonely. Yeah. You know, happy I, music. You need happy music. Keep happy music. Yeah. I've, I actually, I like, I, I've, I've obviously been working uh, with around a lot of people the last few years, um, but I have been looking forward to the idea of getting back into my own shop just because I'm, I'm a freaking weirdo <laughs> kind of in a way I, I like well i just i'm always like i got the music blasting if i got the music blasting then i'm also usually singing along really loud to it or like if i want to stop in the middle of the day because i'm feeling really stiff from grinding all day and i want to do some yoga throw down a mat like do some stretching and not feel self-conscious that my shopmate's walking by and being like dude what the fuck are you doing <laughs> or or like like i've been actually uh dealing with some shoulder not issues necessarily yet but i feel like i'm overworking my right shoulder and i think i want to start doing some like indian club style exercises that work with uh the, traditionally they're done with like what look like bowling pin or juggling pin type clubs but i would i'm going to start using my uh, my new hammers from the hilltop forge and using my hammers as my indian clubs for just doing like shoulder exercises and stuff and again that's more that's all stuff and stuff that is odd to see in a shop and i guess more ultimately it comes down to me being self-conscious and not feeling comfortable doing that around other people but i i don't know i feel like uh I, i'm really excited to be back into my own space where i can um be my own weird self but i think ultimately like podcasts are really helpful when it comes to dealing with shop life and also Steve, like if you ever want to reach out and say what's up, feel free to give me a call if you want to just chat for a few minutes. Like I think that's what's really interesting about this day and age and what and our ability to connect is that um 
and one of the things I thought I didn't have when I moved to Dragon's Wrath Forge is like, oh, I don't have shopmates. I, I don't have people to bounce ideas off of. And it will be great to be around people all the time that I can do that with. But at the same time, I found it actually very distracting and realizing that I can reach out to a lot of people if I have an idea or bounce an idea off somebody or ask a question of somebody. Um, so, homie, just reach out and say what's up. Yeah. Next week's beef is going to be you bitching about Steve won't stop calling me. Leave me alone, Steve. I got to get some work done, for God's sakes. Lose my phone number. Jesus Christ, Steve. Lose my phone number. But it is a weird time. We've never, ever been so connected to people. But yeah. also, we've never, ever been so sort of lonely as a society. It's just really weird. Really weird. Uh, look, you know, it's it's always... it's a, I, I, I listen to... Actually, lately, I've been listening to a lot of Howard Stern... Uh, sometimes, uh, listening to talk radio makes me less efficient. So I save that for, uh, certain things that I have to really not concentrate. So that things I don't have to concentrate on and I can just kind of go in autopilot. I do listen to a lot of music when I need to, uh, you know, get the ball rolling, but ultimately I, I prefer solitary life. I, I prefer it a hundred percent. I've been doing it for a long, long time and I'm a thousand times better when I don't have to like you know, take breaks with people because they want to do something or, you know, I, it doesn't, you just got to like have a game plan. One, in regards to what you're just saying, Craig, about how we are as connected, more connected, especially digitally than we ever have been in before, but we've, we all feel, uh, not necessarily as connected. I think I've been listening to some Ted talks and, and some books and part of the issue is that it creates a false sense of, connectedness and part of it is just our human psychology is when we whatever we kind of talk about whatever we believe or or even future plans we we start identifying with those things but they're not real they're at they're at that point they're just words and so on the same level um that connectedness is it's there but it's also very superficial and the, the idea of actual community and people and friends or family that you can spend time with is actually very very important and we uh, have this false sense of connectivity like i said through an internet and so we think that we don't need that but we really do as a human animal and what i love that you've been posting about recently is on mondays in the evening the whole village gets together and does it gets uh, these dinners going and music mm. and people dance around out and especially you know it's cooler obviously in the evening too an opportunity to socialize and i think that is really incredible and i would i i see that and i'm like shit i want to live there just for that because I do, I love that sense of community, and that, and I think that's really important for, for most people uh, to have in their lives um, a real, true mm. sense of community. Um, mm. There we go. There we go. Let's yeah. talk about one of our sponsors, one of our new sponsors. Ooh. So, Indasa USA. We talked about them last week briefly. So they're the manufacturers of Rhino Wet um, sandpaper as 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 well as lots of other things, tape, masking tape, and all these other things. But personally, I use Rhino Wet all the time. It's When you've got hand sand in it, it's by far the, the best thing to use because it, it, it lasts well, it removes material quickly. It, it's, just, it's just the best stuff out there. So Indasa USA, they're on Instagram. Give them a follow. Have a look at the other products that they have. So we mentioned them last week, but we said we're going to try and get some sort of discount for you as well, because what we like to do is work with our sponsors and get a discount because it works for everybody. So Texas Farrier Supplies come forward um, and they they stock Runner Wet. 
So they'll deliver to anywhere in the US and they're going to give you 10% off Rhino Wet too. So that's Texas Farrier Supply. I think it's TexasFarrierSupply.com. It's Texas Farrier Supply on Instagram. Go follow them. Use the promo code KNIFETALK10 and get 10% off your Rhino Wet and you will not regret it. And anybody who's ever used Rhino Wet will tell you the same thing. It saves them time. Time is money. Go and use Rhino Wet. Time is money. Rhino Wet. Time is money. All right. <laughs> So we the next question we got is is like a, there's a picture where I'm gonna have to describe it too. So this comes from A D. <laughs> it's gonna work well for a podcast. This hey, way. listen, hey, listen, no. Guess, listen. I'm gonna, intro- I'm gonna introduce you to an expression that you should know. It's called theater of the mind. I don't worry, I <laughs> I fucking got this. Relax. You're not. A, All right, you're such so, an artist. <laughs> I said theater of the mind. All right. So add A D dot says, hey man, can I ask you a question? I made a chef's knife for a buddy, and he did this to it. So he's holding a picture. He's got a hand pick of holding this chef's knife. And the, the, the first two inches of the blade are blue. They're blue. They have, they're obviously been, it's a finished knife, a finished knife. And it's got, it's blue. And then he says, should I toss it or try to fix it? And he says, the backstory is he thought he had to heat it before oiling it like a cast iron pan, like to season of cast iron pan. It's my fault for not educating him, him, and I'm assuming a professional cook knew. So basically, this he gave this chef a knife. This I'm putting air quotes in this cook a knife, and then he the guy <laughs> stuck it over a pilot light or or the burner to because he seemed to think that you need to heat the knife up before you oil it, and then he destroyed the temper of the knife. So it's like a and he didn't even do the whole thing. He just did the first like two inches of the knife. So he stuck the, the. I don't even know what to say. You know what? I, it lo- you know what it looks like to me, and maybe I'm the only degenerate here, but right. uh, it looks like his friend, his professional chef friend, who, if he's at, like any other cooking degenerates I know, used the damn thing for knife hits, which is a, a a thing in smoking weed where you take a couple knives, you heat them up, and then you. <laughs> burn the weed and smoke it from there and it that's exactly <laughs> what? what it looks like to me knife um, hits some, somebody's got to know what a knife you've never heard of a okay we don't no. need we're not promoting no. drug use especially in the kitchen yes, or around are. machinery yes, you are <laughs> no yes, I'm you not. are you but are i'm telling You're you that's what it looks like to me anyways I- so how are you supposed to how are you supposed to smoke oh, all right we get now we got to delve into this how are you if you put the weed on the <laughs> knife and then you light the knife on fire how are you supposed to smoke it no no are you no. making so like you, a mini campfire you heat the knife up no 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 you heat the knife up like this guy did over a pilot or sometimes people put it in an electric coil they put it through the electric coil and let it sit there heat up and then you have your bud sitting to the side waiting and then you put the hot knife to the bud or actually, you got a couple knives, and then you squish it between the two, and then it the smoke rises up into some sort of container. Um, <laughs> I've seen a, people use is, a, a milk jug, a gallon a milk, milk jug, jug cut in half, a gallon milk jug cut it's in like half, some sort of quenchy challenge, and then smoke. <laughs> It's that terrible. Might we might be, have to cut that, all this shit out. I'm sorry. That might be the worst <laughs> way I've ever heard to do anything. It's stupid. I don't understand. <laughs> First time I saw it, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? A pipe is perfectly fine for that. Well, there you go. So, speaking of which, I saw the new T- Quentin Tarantino movie last night, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm oh, with crazy. Um, Brad Pitt and uh, Le- uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Leo. Yes. Good? Uh, 
I love Quentin Tarantino movies. They're fucking self-indulgent, but he mm. loves film, and the last scene at the end is bananas. So congratulations. <laughs> Another wacko, you know, movie. So yeah, I give it a, I would definitely see it just for you to pull your hair out and be like, I can't believe this guy is even not locked up. So there you go. So, so you should, uh, so the answer to this guy is, um, he should tell his friend to get a lighter and some rolling paper and yeah. stop <laughs> fucking around. Don't do these knife hits. Don't do these knife hits. He asked me what I thought. And I said, I think you should lose this guy as a, I think you should tell him he owes you a knife. Is what I think. Mm. He thought he, you season the knife like a frying pan, where you put the frying pan, uh, a cast iron pan, you rub it in oil, stick it in a, a 350 degree oven, and then you for an hour, and then you let it cool, and then it makes that nice coating. This guy, his friend, I think, you know what? I think Mareko's right. I think this guy was trying to like light up a joint with this brand new knife. Congratulations. Well, and that's the other thing. When you're seasoning a cast iron pan, you do it in the oven. And if you wanted to even heat across the blade, you would. Do it in the oven if that's His what friend you're knows really your knife. To do. His friend knows your knife. AD knife works. This guy owes your knife. You should put this guy. This is a. It's an embarrassment and it's hilarious. But I like. I like the the knife. The knife weed. Uh, angle. That, was, that was. I never heard of that Listen, before. I, that was. I worked in a lot of kitchens. There are a lot of shady ass motherfuckers working in those what, kitchens. They so what they don't. It doesn't seem like a whole lot of work to get a little puff. All right. Hey, they're not Excellent. the smartest people. Well. Dan Pedersen. Dan Pedersen asks, <laughs> what was the first knife you made and who introduced you to knife making? Do you remember the first knives you made? I well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead, Jeffy. No, you go ahead. Oh, I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead. Yes. The first knife I made, I still use it incredibly. So I've got this I'm just I'm in the kitchen now and I've got this sort of eight foot magnet with all knives on that I use. And it's still there, and it's probably still used most days. It's ugly. It looks like a scalpel. It was ground way, way too thin. Mm. Um, but, it, it, yeah, it's, it's blisteringly sharp. So I use it for cutting tomatoes, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, still use it every day. And who, and who um, introduced what, you to knife making? I think it was probably Walter Sorrells. Mm. Um, I was doing, just as a sort of hobby, I started like um, doing spoons, you know, making, making wooden spoons. Um, and you know what it's like, you're on YouTube and you go down this rabbit hole, then um, I think it was a Walter Sorrells video came up and it was like, ooh. And it was one of those ones where he does with hand tools and, you know, he made this basic forge, like a, a coffee can forge kind of thing. And I was like, ooh, I think I'll, I'll give that a go. Um, and that's how this, this first knife was made. So I made this, I bought this refractory cement and I used an old coffee can and I made this really shitty forge. But it worked <laughs> and it's, it obviously hardened because this thing stays stays sharp. Um, I'll post a picture of, of it on the Instagram because you've got to see how ugly this thing. And it, I think it was all one steel, so it's, it's the patina's all out of whack as well. It, it's terrible, but it's, it's used every day. P.S. An eight-foot yeah. magnet is a long magnet. How many knives do you have on there? It is a long magnet. That was going to be I'm my I'm looking at it quick. now, and one, two, three, four. There's probably about 15, 16 kitchen knives on there, but most of them are just like shitty opinels, like really cheap and I, we use dozens of them every day. Use them once, chuck, chuck them in a in a bowl, and you won't see them again for another few days. Huh. Um, and lots of Opinel folders as well. I use them in the kitchen a lot. They're mm. cheap. They they keep a good edge, and we eat out a lot. So as Marekko mentioned, there's a lot of, sort of knife markets around here, so we can just generally pick one of them up when we're off. So yeah, yeah. There you go. I'll post a picture of my knife magnet too. 
the giant yeah, knife magnet. That's going to be awesome. Oh, my God. I cannot wait. <laughs> All right, Jeff. What's your, what, your, what's your first knife? Well, when I... Uh, when I I, my buddy John Ledford and I kind of started this place called Hudson River Ironworks a number of years ago, and it was actually in in the Peekskill area, Buchanan. And we were teaching, we were doing classes, and we start. I was doing some sculpture classes, and we were some uh, blacksmithing classes. And we had a good friend of ours, uh, Matt Matt Paul. That's MP Knives, and he came to teach some bladesmithing classes. And we were pretty close to the city, and we were trying to get you know uh, students who were not necessarily going to be blacksmiths or bladesmiths. Somebody just wanted to make a knife. And he would come and he would teach these classes, and I came to just assist him. I came to help him, and it was fun. And while we were there, I, I said, "All right, well, you know, while I'm helping, I'll just try see if I can forge out a knife real quick." And we forged it, and then we did the heat treating and stuff like that. So I think I did like a uh, drop point something or other. So it was, mm-hmm. uh, it was a uh, you know, a little just a little uh, knife is fine with wooden wooden scales, and you know, it's a you know a nice little drop point hunter knife, and it was a lot of fun, and all. That was really like, hey, you know what? I can do this while I'm uh, doing railings too. I can stick a knife in and forge them in between heats. And it was it was uh, Matt Paul's fault. All Matt Paul. He he's actually mm. MP knives. Matt Paul is one of the smart guys in the. I mean, he builds his own telescopes, and he was a mechanic, and he's just Jeez. got. A, oh yeah, his telescopes. He actually just posted on Facebook these pictures he took from the pellet telescope he made of the rings of Saturn. And the uh-huh. pictures are the pictures are as good as the pictures you see from NASA. It's a, it's crazy, and he, he's a, one of the smartest guys I know. He's a he's a good dude too, Matt Paul MP Knives. He does uh, pretty cool stuff. So he's the first guy to kind of make me kind of turn the page on that. Nice. Well, I <clears throat> excuse me. I have a couple of firsts. One, uh, the very very first knife I ever made. Um, was actually a kind of like hunter slash survival knife that I made for my brother while I was still working for Bob Kramer, actually. And it was some Damascus that I had made for an auction knife. There was kind of like some scrap leftover material, and it was enough for a a little hunter. And I put a nice piece of co on it, and it came out really nice. He still has that. Um, He never took it into the field with him. It was a gift for... uh, um, for graduating basic training and he went on to become an airborne ranger uh, but he never ended up taking it into the field with him which is fine because that it uh it's still around it, something like that usually gets dropped and lost or something like that on the field but mm. um and then but uh let's see with that knife bob helped me with the heat treatment of the knife the first knife i ever did all the work on myself including the heat treatment um was a chef's knife that I made for a friend. Actually, just a few months later after that uh, first night or that hunter knife, it was a chef's knife that I made for some friends that were getting married, and it was just a little santoku. It was the first hidden tang I ever did, um, and that also was just kind of like banged together with some scraps and some fifty-one sixty, some inexpensive material, but um, it came together really nice, and um, they still love it and use it today. So, and that nice. was. That was like almost ten years ago. So, yeah. what what got you into it then? Was it was it just the job with with Bob, or what were you? Yeah, sort of that was it. Before that, I mean, I, wow. I I I've always I forgot that part of the question. Um, I I always enjoyed kind of fiddling around and making things with my hands. I did a lot of woodworking growing up, but I never did anything with metal. And I was working in a restaurant at the time, and and I met Bob Kramer, and he gave me. Uh, an opp- or offered me an opportunity to work in his shop um, and 
the rest, as they say, is history. And I started working for him, and it turns out I'm pretty good at knife making. And um, it was very just by chance. And But it started out as a job. Um, it took a few years to realize that it was actually something that I was truly passionate about. Um, and here I am. This comes from Drek Metal. Do you guys honk at people who sit at a green light in traffic? And if so, are you a quick double tapper or a long layer? <laughs> uh, I'm the biggest wimp ever. I'll just sit there. I won't honk. I'll just sit and wait. Oh, my oh, God. Shit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, you know, there's communication. You know, honking is communication. You can, you can, there's a certain, I grew up, I grew up, I learned how to drive. I took driver's ed in Manhattan, in New York City. And it's like, they are the the honking capital of the world, and it gets to the point where you're just like, all right, so so the quick double tap is, all right, come on, come on, go ahead, you're ready to go. It's not aggressive, but if you do the old put your hand on the on the horn and lay into it, that's like the fuck <laughs> you. So yeah. I, I grew up learning all that stuff, and then when I went to school in Ohio, uh, we went to school uh, rural Ohio, I, you know, I just knew that you honk. It's what it wasn't like, you know, it's not the end of the world. And I, I was, I was driving in Ohio and I honked someone. They stopped the car and it was as if I had like shot a gun through their window. I mean, it was like an attack. It, I, it wasn't like a crazy honk. It wasn't a fuck you honk. It was like a boop boop. And it was like, they stopped the car and the guy started getting out. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And he started yelling at me. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you, what are you doing? Get back in the car. Get back in the car. And I was all rolling the windows up, hitting the things. And so the answer is, is. Oh my God. And it was like, I was like, wait a second. And my friend of mine says, yeah, they don't like honking here in Ohio. I'm like, they don't like honking in Ohio. I had to like learn that that's, it's oh. like a language that a lot of people don't know. So mm. I like the old double tap, wake up, the old double tap, wake up. I don't do the long fuck you because I think that the double tap is perfectly fine. But mm. I will say this, my wife, who is a very, very smart woman, she's very, very uh, astute and she's clever and she's, uh, I'm, I'm uh, an, in awe of her, except when she drives, she curses and gives the finger. She cur- <laughs> it's surprising because she's a very well. If you met her, she's a very per- person, a professional woman, and she's smart, mm. career driven. She's like she's. I mean, she's. I'm. She flips people off in the car, and I say, Hillary, they're gonna. That motherfucker's gonna kill you. You can't. You can't flip people <laughs> off and scream "fuck you" out the window. You can't do it. Jeez. Someone's gonna stop you. People in cars. They just lose their shit. It must be they're in this protective little bubble, and they think, you know, right. I'm perfectly safe in here. As if some dude's not going to open the car and just go crazy. Well, yeah. But I think a lot of it is, is you, you said it, city and country are very different. We don't hear any honking around here. So if I did, it would be, you know, really yeah, startling. You're already calling mm. the police. You're calling the yeah, police if you hear that. I actually, <laughs> this is a true, 100% true story. My college roommate, Miles, is a bronze caster and he he was crazy and he used to have uh blockbuster firecrackers in his glove compartment and when Holy people shit. would tailgate him he would light them off and kind of like flip them behind and it was <laughs> fucking jarring let me tell you and it got to the point where i was at his house with his dad and he was telling his dad his dad is a lawyer and his dad says to him miles you can't do that and it wasn't because you're going to hurt somebody. It was because, because somebody's going to pull you over and they're going to beat the shit out of you. 
I was like, yeah, that's a good father advice. Yeah, good job. Yeah, don't throw explosives out the window because someone's going to hurt you. No, don't put the explosives out the window because you're going to fucking kill somebody. There yeah. you go. That's your answer. I think, Mareko, you're a long layer, I think, aren't you? You, you talked about the, the traffic <laughs> oh, where boy. you used to live. I can imagine you laying well, down some long... I didn't used to be a long layer. And in Washington, we don't really do a whole lot of honking, which in reality, we should be doing it more because some people who are driving, <laughs> it's it's like they're, they're fucking, they're falling asleep behind the wheel. Um, and you got to do it to wake them up a little bit and hey, say, hey, pay attention to what the hell you're doing. You're drifting in my lane or you're going too damn slow in the passing lane. Um, so, but in Connecticut, um, there People, I think I've said this before, but most people drive as if nobody else is on the road. And so they'll just start changing lanes and you'll be right next to them. And Ooh. so I started getting really good at anticipating this and I would just hold my place and I would lay on my horn. And then the people would look over at me so shocked and jarred and be like, what the fuck? And I'm like, listen, asshole, you were in my lane and I'm right here. Get the fuck out of here. So uh but yeah i turn i'm just like hillary i get really fucking pissed off and start oh. swearing more than i do already when i'm driving i'm calling people all kinds of names and it's not good because i got my three-year-old son or two two and a half year old son in the back seat and it's stressful for everybody and uh my wife actually volunteers to drive a lot um because she knows how i get sometimes <laughs> um but i will to follow your ohio story uh jeff Neil advised me that if you ever drive in Hawaii, um, do not honk there. It is very laid back culture. Everybody's just lets everybody do their thing. People understand uh-uh. um, shit happens. And if you honk, people will stop. Not only will they get out of the car, but they'll rip your ass out of the car and they'll start beating your ass. For one, <laughs> so, for one do fucking not honk. honk. Yeah, don't honk in Hawaii. Don't honk Especially if you're if you get if you do that to a local because they you know they, there's bad enough blood there in the first place kind of um, between locals and tourists and stuff like that. But the last thing a local would need is this, a, a tourist who didn't plan right and is running late honking at them. Um, yeah, so mm, they mm. they don't take too kindly. They do do the quick tap. I do a quick tap honk to say what's up or hi to people and then I make sure I follow with a wave or I also do it, you know, just like at a red light that turns green and somebody's texting. I do a honk at them, quick tap honk, just be like, yo, what's your, what's your, your, what's your job stance is to drive on high beams? Right what's, your, what's your stance on high beams? Boop, boop. Like if, if you're in the passing, if you're on the passing lane and somebody wants to get past you and they give you the old, the old blinkaroo, the high beams. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's fair, I'm into that. right? Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There, you right go. Tra- there you go. There's traffic tips from Knife Talk Podcast. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. I so so right. the answer is is when you're in Hawaii, honk the fuck out of the horn. Totally. The <laughs> I love it. That. In Ohio, they love it. So when oh you're listening God. to this podcast, fucking jack somebody with the knife talk ten, give them a pop, give them a honk. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. This next one is from Jeff CK2. He says, I'm a new ble- uh, blacksmith slash knife maker. Uh, I'm wondering what size and what size anvil to get. I can afford a hundred pounder, but do I really need it? We do have an episode where Jeff really did a deep dive on anvils. I think it's in hammers as well. Right. Um, but I think if you're just starting out, 
you probably don't need to jump into a hundred pounder. Um, actually, Texas Farrier Supply makes or has their own anvils casted, um, and mm. they supply them. But they have all the way down to little portable, like I think fifty pounders. And fifty pound anvil is actually for for even my own my the way I forge knives is more than enough to get the job done. Forge out blades. Um, if you're just getting into it, though, I don't know. I, I would try to find just like a big chunk of metal <laughs> maybe to, to hammer on because an anvil can be a bit of an investment. And um, last thing you want to do is find out you hate you, it and then you're stuck with this. That is 100% true. Handle. That is 100% true. The answer is, is one of the things about a hammer, uh, an anvil base is different than other things is it doesn't really go down in value. So you no. can, it's very easy to resell anvils. Like that's why a lot of guys like Chris Cash and Blacksmith Tools, they, they do pretty well with it. And Jesse Savage, they do a lot of anvil trading. So that's one thing. And it's like, you know, but you grow let me just interrupt it. you a sec, Jeff, just a sec. Go ahead. So, as Mareko said, we've talked about this in the past. So we're going to give you a countdown. You ready? Oh, give me Carry a countdown. On. All right. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah. All right. You ready? Tell me when. It, is it going? Yeah. It's on. Yes. The answer is if it's hard to find 100 pound anvils anyway. So the answer is yes. Go get yourself a fucking anvil. But don't be cheap. <laughs> go get a nicer one. You're going to grow out of it. I guarantee you. And then sell it. So there you go. There, there you go. go. Under 30 seconds. Under you, were trying to, you were trying to hit the end with that. Uh, I'm not counting. I'm not counting. Look, you get a, oh, don't, just buy the goddamn anvil and just keep your mouth shut. There you go. You know, it sounds like, <laughs> it sounds like there's there a business go. opportunity for somebody to start kind of the Netflix of anvils where they can loan you an anvil. And uh, if you like it, then keep it. If not, then send it back. Oh, my God. Yeah, free shipping. Yeah, free shipping. <laughs> yeah. No, shipping's on you. Uh, last question. We got one from Cole Forge Knifeworks. Coal Forge Knife Works, rather. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? What's your favorite thing about doing the podcast? Ah, nice. Mm. I'm going to say my favorite thing and the worst thing to begin with. So the favorite thing is is working with these guys and, and picking their brains and, and, and learning from the questions that people send in because half the time I don't know the answer and I hear smart people tell me the answer. So that's the favorite thing. The The worst thing is... It's. I'm stuck in the kitchen. I'm surrounded by cushions. I've got a blanket over me. It's pretty warm, and we we do this every week. So Jeff's in a hot car. Mareko's under a blanket. I'm under a blanket. It's yeah. It's it's not the best conditions to be recording in. I'm pretty comfortable. To be honest with you. I I got the. You I, I got this, it reclined. I've got damn yeah. right. I'm reclining. <laughs> I got my foot up. I got my foot hanging on the doors open. I got my foot on the door. I'm I'm in a comfortable seat. I'm comfortable as hell. This is the smartest. The drive-in. Oh, this is fantastic. I'm sitting in my shop. I'll sit in. Um, I even take a. I'll take a fucking cell. This is great. This is easy. Easy. This is easy time right here. I'm gonna do a picture. And I'm, it's great. There you go. I, I for me, I'm a huge fan of broadcasting. A giant. I, I agree with Craig. It's awesome talking with Mareko and Craig. I enjoy it. I'm a giant. Uh, broadcasting fan i have been for my, my whole life my I, and i love the idea of broadcasting it's not just what you say but how you say it and so i'm fascinated by the concept and how you know how you can kind of put stuff out there so i love i love podcasting because to me it's like it's it's what i, I wanted to go into radio when i was a kid i loved it so this is i'm getting to i'm getting to pretend to be howard stern and that's what i like 
Cool, Morocco. What's what's your favorite bit about the podcast? My favorite is getting to, like you said, Craig, uh, is getting to chat with you guys once a week and catch up. And I feel like I've, I've, you guys have become very close friends to me, and I really appreciate it. As well as the community that has grown around it. Um, I'm really into really into community, as we talked about earlier, and going to things like uh, Travis Ward's Hammer in a little while ago, or to Blade Show, and just seeing and hearing how the show has positively affected people and giving them something entertaining to listen to is something as well as being helpful uh, in the information and and the way we answer um, the questions. Uh, It's, it's all, you know, I just really enjoy the community that's grown up around the podcast. And so thank you everybody. Uh, Another bit for me, it sort of signposts the week for me as well. So um, I'm sure most of us, you know, we work for ourselves and, you know, we, we spend our days, whether alone in the shop or wherever it may be. But, you know, okay, we change it. Sometimes we record on Saturday, sometimes on a Sunday. We change it up a little bit. But it signposts the week for me. It's something that I'm doing this weekend and everything needs to stop for this to happen. And hopefully it's the same for you guys on a Monday morning. It's, you know, it's Monday morning. There's a new podcast out. You know, hopefully it's a, say a signpost for that time of the week. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying yeah. to take a fucking selfie of me in this relaxed car. You guys are making a huge mistake. I mean, you should be in it. I'm telling you. I couldn't be more comfortable. Like I, at first, you know, uh, months ago I was, I made, I was under a blanket like you guys. And then there was some sort of weird noise. And then now I'm sitting in this comfortable Jeep and it's, you know, it's the bet. I mean, this is the bet. I can't imagine any other way. <laughs> Aircon on or off? No, I, I, listen, if I had the goddamn car on, I'd suffocate. I'd get carbon yeah. monoxide poisoning because I got the goddamn gate down. <laughs> So I, it's actually not too hot, so it's great. But it's I, I got I'm in a room inside a room. I'm sitting in a comfortable seat. I am reclined. God bless. There you go. Send you a couple pics nice. too. Oh. Okay. Well, listen. We're t- when it comes to steel, we talk about the New Jersey Steel Baron. New Jersey Steel Baron has all the kinds of steel you need for knife making. They also do water jet services. Um, I'm actually just got, uh, my, uh, bandito knives made from them. They did a great job. They're able to source the steel. They can tell you, they have all the certs on all the steel. So you know exactly what it is. They'll water jet it out for you. You don't have to have a CAD drawing. You send them a template. They'll make the drawing for you. And it, that's really great because you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to do anything. They'll do it for you. Um, they give you all the information on their website about how you can heat treat steel if you want to fool around with their steel. And it's a great service. Uh, everyone, you can buy a minimum amount. You don't have to buy, you know, you don't have to have a truck show up and buy crates of, you know, pallets of steel. You can buy a stick if you want. Uh, it's awesome. I love the New Jersey Steel Baron. I'm going to be doing some stuff with them in the, in the future. Um, a lot and, uh, fantastic. So you go to the New Jersey Steel Baron. Uh, the website and discounts are coming, I think. And uh, there you go. Thank you, New Jersey Steel Baron. <laughs> Thank you, New Jersey Steel Baron, for your support of the show. There you go. Craig's Community Showcase. A community showcase, that bit of the show where we like to give a shout-out to a community member or a product or something that we enjoy as, as part of being a knife maker. Um, and I'll start things off with with uh, an account on Instagram that I, I literally stumbled across about two hours ago, um, and I was looking at it. It's Orchard underscore Knives. Oh, yeah. Um, and this guy is 14. He's a 14-year-old knife maker from Dorset in England, 
Um, and what amazed me is it, there weren't that many pictures. Well, I was looking at the pictures. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty impressed. And I think I saw it because the the Society of British Cutlers. I think they had reposted something of his or something. Mm. So, so I'm looking at it, and they're, they're, they're sort of hunting, fishing knives. Really nicely finished. Really nice. There's only there's only six posts there. So I, was, I sort of went back to the first post to see that when that was put on, and it was put on like 17 hours ago. So this, this account is is completely fresh. So I think what 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 this kid has done, he's his first six knives. He just put these pictures up all at once. Uh, but go take a look. It's it's amazing. It, it, these are the first knives that he's made. They're incredible. So what's, it's what's... orchard orchard underscore knives. And I said, amazingly, he's only 14 years old. This kid. Super cool. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Dig it. Wow. All right. Boom. So this week I have Tristone Blades. That's Chad Smith. He's a, a maker out of Australia. Uh, super, I always say super, super this, super that. But he really is an incredible, uh, incredibly super talented. Super duper. Super incredibly talented knife maker. Sorry, Chad. <laughs> but, uh, and he doesn't, you know, he's doing pretty good when it comes to followers. But I think when it, uh, part of the showcase is also to showcase makers that people can look to for inspiration. And Chad's work really is a fucking high bar and a really solid standard to judge by. He does really incredibly clean work and precise work, and I I admire his work, and I'd love to meet him and do or do a collaboration with him. He's he's super talented, super again. There I am saying super again. Anyways, go check him out. He's very inspiring. Um, Chad, keep up good work, my man. All right, there you go. Well, I'm going to stay in Australia. Uh, those Australians are something else. Uh, I'd like to talk about Kevin Room. That's Room, R-O-O-M, underscore custom, underscore knives. I don't think we've done him before, but I tell you what, he's a super guy, listens to the podcast. He does uh, beautiful, beautiful knives. I don't know what's going on in Australia, but the, something's in the water or something. But those guys all day make awesome, awesome knives. Very, very inspiring. He's got a lot of... Um, beautiful knives really clean designs he's very simple decisions they're very elegant he makes elegant knives uh room underscore custom underscore knives kevin room i'm with you my brother nice so guess what we complain a lot and as gandhi used to say you know what complaining is complaining is is bragging about how much suffering you can endure so there you go this is what we do we bitch and we moan and we just say something that's you know it's unnecessary but it's the way it is so here is our beefs and why don't you give us a whirl uh uh Mareko, you got a, you got anything to beef about i actually i can't think of anything to beef of or i've been trying to think about it and my only issues that i really got going on right now it's just I guess my beef would be getting behind on work. How's that? Uh, And it's almost completely inevitable, at least for the way I build my knives. There's always some sort of setback and it's, it's figuring out how to keep plowing along and keeping my head up and not getting discouraged, which is really easy to do and does happen. Um, But yeah, I just, it's, it's frustrating, but there's, you know, in in the custom built world, shit happens and things go sideways, and it's just a matter of keeping in perspective that it's part of the game, and you just got to keep moving forward. So that's what I got. Here we go, Craig. What's going on? 
my beef. So I I talk about my my babies a lot in this podcast, and you know they're actually they're eight months old today, but it's it's changed my life since having them. You know, for the better by far. But there's one thing that I just it I just can't stand. It is being kicked in the balls by babies. <laughs> Come on, man. Come <laughs> it on, happens man. multiple times every day. So in the morning, what generally when the babies doing? wake, we, we bring them into bed with us and, you know, it's all quite it's all lovely and lovely. We can put them across the other side of the bed and within 30 seconds, I mean, kicked in the balls <laughs> by one of them. Move that one. And the other ones then kick me in the balls. It is nonstop. And they're like little power hammers. They raise their legs up. It's like a little giant coming down on you. Boosh! It's the worst thing ever. So being kicked in the balls is my is my beef this week. Wow. Sounds like you need a cup. I think so, yeah. <laughs> How yeah. tall are these kids? It's unbelievable. How tall are these my, kids are laying down on you and then they're giving you a shot in the nuts? Yeah, all the time. So as I, we bring them in the bed in the morning. My wife is like, you need to build a bed, like a, like a double-double. You know, so we've got oh, some wow. room here because it's just nonstop, just bang, or just bang, bring bang. them up higher. I'm on the bed. Don't don't <laughs> yeah. bring them so low, so they're you know, you know, nut in the nut territory. You know, yeah. <laughs> we honestly, you can move them anywhere on the bed. Within thirty seconds, they're back. They're like ninjas, stealth ninjas. They come over, kick you in the balls, they'll disappear. <laughs> All the stories. <laughs> I'll, I'll say, my son, my son just tagged me for the first time, really ever. Um, and you know, I've, I'm, I've had a pretty good streak. It's been almost three years now. And he just, just <laughs> earlier this week, we, we do this game where I, uh, we call it toss up. And so he runs at me and then I toss, I grab him and toss him up in the air. Um, mm-hmm. but something happened. I, I fell over something and he just like ran right into me and smashed right in my nuts. I was like, oh, fuck. What's and, but it was the first time. It was the first one. So I, I knew What's- it was going to happen. And, uh. Yeah. What's worse? Worst. Getting a full blast kick in the nuts or a graze? Ooh, just the tip. I gra- <laughs> I think a graze in the nuts might be worse because you know that shit's coming. You know you got like yeah. I get a 10 count. You got a 10 count before the, all of a sudden you get swapped with the, the nausea. The nausea look nah. I'll take a full, a, full, kick, a full square kick in the balls is the word. You feel it in your stomach and you feel sick, you feel ill. You just fall to the floor. They're the worst. They're right. the worst. Well, there you go. Well, Mrs. Stelter, high congratulations. Le- high level stuff, yeah, this. Congratulations. High level stuff. Congratulations to all you listening. You're like, what are you talking about balls? <laughs> I will say Sorry. that the one thing that dri- is driving me crazy, but it's been driving me crazy for a while, is people's use of words. I'm getting a lot of people using buzzwords to me, thinking that I care. I had one guy re, uh, in the past, you know, some of you culinary guys, you, when you talk to these cooks, they, they try to use big cook talk. Like, when I cut my protein, they use the word protein when they're talking about cutting. So, when I cut my protein, I only use carbon. <laughs> All right, we got that. I had a guy reach out to me and he says, I'd like to buy one of your Cuban knives and I hope you have one lying around. I don't want to have to go to the secondary market. The secondary market. And I wrote back to him like, what secondary market? I'm not, I'm not Henkel. I'm not, what, just tell me you want a knife and don't make this big production. Like, you know, there's some black market, you know, guy who wants to buy my knives. I know there are certain people who do this, do the secondary market, but stop using. And then he was like, LOL, I just want a knife. It's stop using big words. I went to a meeting and they said, we're here to ideate where it's an ideation meeting. Knock it off. We're here to talk. 
We're here to talk. So when you talk about, this is my uh, proof of concept. All right. Guys, just talk normally. Use normal speak. We all think you're great. We don't need special words to make you feel like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's using the right words. Just talk like a normal person. I don't try to do anything other than talk to you like you're a normal person. I'm not going to use big words. Just relax. Just Let's just be normal. Just be normal. There you go. Let's That's ideate. That's a show. The fucking idea. That's a show. So thank you for listening. Um, this will be live on Monday morning. Remember, we've got the forum of knifetalk.net. Um, subscribe. Give us some reviews. We've had some really good reviews in lately. Review us on Stitcher, on iTunes, wherever you listen. Wherever you listen. We shall speak to you next week. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.